When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, Bears fans. This Thursday edition of the CHGO Bears podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. And how's it going, everybody? Will DeWitt, Nicholas Moriano here for our weekly Thursday Bears game preview. But honestly, before we get into all of that and, you know, we can kind of skip some pleasantries, Nick. I know you're doing great. I'm feeling a little bit better this week. There's been some like, I would call it like slightly breaking news. Obviously nothing has been like made official, but it should be known uh, that the current Big Ten commissioner, Kevin Warren, is a reportedly a leading candidate to become the Bears next team president and CEO. What's like your initial take? Like we literally just found out about this, what, 15 minutes ago. So we're just kind of like still digesting. But like, what's your first thoughts about this? Well, initially, I, you know, I just had to do some research. I, I, I know Kevin Warren, obviously Big Ten. All, a lot of us at THEO went to Big Ten schools. But what does that mean for the Bears exactly? Uh, doing quick, quick research, you guys. I, I, I tweet about it a little bit. But the Vikings actually had a, a really good article that they wrote when Kevin Warren became the Big Ten commissioner and just all the accomplishments uh, that he actually had with the Vikings. And I just want to read real quickly – um, just a, a quote that they had from the article, Warren's extensive experience in all facets of the Minnesota Vikings organization created the perfect foundation for him to lead the business operations. Since being promoted to COO, Warren played a critical role in all business, financial, legal, and operational aspects related to U.S. Bank Stadium and was involved in design, construction, business, legal, and operational components of the new stadium. So, you know, I'll just read that and that should get people excited about what the potential can be for the new stadium that will be in Arlington Heights Mm -hmm. when the Bears, you know, get everything official and things like that. And I always get the question, well, like with traveling all of these stadiums, which one's like my top favorite? I always go to U.S. Bank Stadium and just the layout where it's located, how everything works around it. It just makes so much sense. And if the Bears can get something like that, that would be ideal. The fan the fan experience would be so much different than it is at Soldier Field. But that's kind of the, the big news, why this matters. And, yes, this happened, what, maybe ten to five, 5 to 10 minutes before we actually jumped on here, Will. But that's kind of the initial my initial reaction and what it can mean moving forward for the Chicago Bears organization. Yeah, and, and when I was looking through the article that you shared too, I noticed that he was the highest-ranking African American executive mm-hmm. on the business side of any team in the NFL at the time when he was, when he was with the Vikings, and for the Bears, you know Ryan Poles, of course, being African American, having another person of color in a leadership position, just I think is a testament of the Bears and like what's changing around Hallis Hall and the continued, uh, you know recognition and just them going through their due diligence. And I love this quote from IU president uh, McRobbie, by the way, in this article saying that Kevin is a visionary leader, an experienced, successful, highly respected executive and a skilled communicator who is uniquely positioned to continue the traditions of excellence that have become synonymous with the Big Ten Conference. And obviously he would do the same here for the Chicago Bears, its traditions uh, for this storied franchise. So it's I'm excited, Nick. I think the one takeaway that I have from this, and of course, this is just a finalist that's kind of leaked through, Mm -hmm. uh, but the fact that we still have a month until Ted Phillips is no longer here with the team, but the Bears are already kind of ahead of it. They have someone in mind. They're going through this process now, not waiting until after the fact. Feels good uh, that we're not going to have to like go through a whole process in the offseason that they are kind of 
playing, uh, you know, a step ahead here, if you will. And I think that should be good news for Bears fans that the Bears are being proactive and not reactive. Uh, and I know they have a mm-hmm. whole year, uh, pretty much to kind of get this plan in place, but it's good to at least see it before you actually have the guy in charge vacate. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Well, and real quickly, like people who know maybe Kevin Warren from his his most recent job and still there, the Big Ten uh, com, uh, commissioner. I mean, he's been in the NFL and working with organizations since 1997, going back to the St. Louis Rams at the time, then going to Detroit, mm-hmm. then obviously working with Minnesota, and now potentially the Chicago Bears, kind of cycling through that, the NFC North a little bit. But, yeah, quick initial reactions on Kevin Warren. Had, had to get to that before we talk about you know Bears, Lions, and Week 17, uh, the second match of the year between the two teams. Can I fancy you to some Devontae Adams talk before we get into this game? Because that's been all over my timeline over the last 24 hours. Doesn't matter what social media app I click on, Nick. Devontae Adams, Chicago Mm -hmm. Bears. Devontae Adams, Chicago Bears. And I don't know. Just thinking about pairing him with Justin Fields gets me excited. The Bears will have some trade capital to work with. It's too early for me to know like what a package would look like, but in an ideal world, if you can get a wide receiver one and still maintain a pick this year and get some additional picks after the fact, it's hard to sneeze at. It really is. That'd be unheard of, Will, for you know a guy like Devontae Adams, one, to be traded in the first place mm-hmm. to the Raiders, and then you know, a year later get traded again to to you know, potentially, you know, if that that were to happen, but that would be nuts. Um, I know I, like you, I've gotten a lot of mentions like, Hey, uh, what's the realistic possibility the bears go get to Adams? I, you know, I haven't even touched any of those conversations. I I've seen them. I, I do see them, but yeah, it's, um, who knows? I mean, that, that is a weird, you go to Vegas to join your good friend, Derek Carr, and now being essentially benched for the final two games because he's potentially going to get traded. I can't sit well with your number one wide receiver that you gave so much to get. So that's a, a really interesting dynamic, and I'm really curious to see how it all plays out in Las Vegas. We'll leave it to the Raiders to just kind of keep this thing as uh, interesting as it possibly could get. It just makes sense that this is how it's kind of all shaping out at the end mm-hmm. when it, you look at how their franchise has been handled and you know through Gruden. And I mean, you can go back to, to Marcus Russell. It's just been. Now, we think we have a bad sometimes, but then you can look over the fence and you realize it's not the worst situation. And obviously, there's a lot of optimism surrounding the Bears uh, this year, despite the record and what they can grow into down the line. But, Nick, I'm excited to get into this game preview. Uh, in this episode, we're going to tell you who has the edge, share a key to success on both sides of the ball, our weekly X factors, of course, our bold predictions brought to you by Green Ridge Farm, and a whole lot more. And if you have any other questions, Throw them in the comments. We'll answer those at the end of the show. We love to do that. But, Nick, what's your Bears-Lions one-liner the second time by? I'm going to go with winnable there, Will. This uh, winnable is uh, the way I'm kind of seeing uh, how this Week 17 matchup can play out. And we'll kind of get through our, our discussion, talk about the matchups, all these good stuff. But winnable would be the one word I would describe this game. Uh, my one word would be points. I expect a lot of points yet again. We talked about that throughout the entire preview heading into the Bears-Lions in Week 10. We expected a lot of points to be put up on the board because both defenses, they're not great uh, by any means. And that ended up being true. 31-30 game, 61 points scored. By golly, I think it's going to probably happen again. And we'll talk about it throughout the entire episode as to why, but I just expect points to be scored in bunches but you excited you ready to kind of get into our keys to success here nick let's do it well all right you're up first key number one on offense for you this week what is it well it's uh commit to the rushing attack not that the bears need any extra incentive to do that but you obviously you, you have khalil herbert who didn't really do too much last week against the bills but you have him you have justin fields who's good to go like Iberflu said earlier in the week obviously david montgomery but you're also going up Against a Lions defense. Well, I have never, I don't know if I've ever seen something what what the Panthers did in terms of the the big explosive runs Mm -hmm. and how frequently they were able to generate them against the Lions last week. And I don't even think the the Panthers were doing anything crazy scheme wise. It was just the one, the the Lions' unwillingness to tackle, to the the zone regain some trouble. They also had some tight ends that came on motion to block out some guys. 
but there were just rushing lanes. So what the Bears need to do is what they've been doing all season, commit to the rushing attack, and there, there should be open lanes for them to generate those explosive runs. But that's key number one, Will, and I know, you know, as we kind of go through these, we're going to have very similar ones, but commit to the rushing attack. Yeah, you told me after you saw mine, you're like, damn it, Will. Like, we've been previewing Bears games far too long together, and that leads into my second key. I'm not going to go there yet. I don't want to get ahead of myself, uh, but I will have more about the Bears and why I think they could and should be able to run the ball too soon. Uh, but my first key, the first thing that stood out to me when I was looking at this matchup is come at, get it. Uh, get it. Uh, come at, get it. It was a fancy football team name I used. It's better <laughs> said than read. Maybe. Uh, but when you go back to that Lions game a few weeks ago with the Bears had, he had a 74-yard, two-touchdown performance. Uh, and with the decimation of the Bears' wideout position so yeah. far, right? No Darnell Mooney this time by. Chase Claypool still not practicing. You're going to have to have someone step up here, and that should be Cole Komet. Since week nine, Cole Komet is fourth uh, in of all tight ends and catches with 30, eighth at the position and receiving yards at 300 fourth and touchdowns at four and ninth in yards after the catch at 151. And the thing about Cole Komet, and he has been consistent, I would say over the second half of the year in terms of like production uh, yards and catches, uh, but he has not scored a touchdown since the bears lions game last time by. So I, we need to see Komet get involved in the red zone and be someone that's a threat to score. You can remember that huge play uh, that Justin Fields had to Cole Komet when they totally faked out the safety. I think that's Kirby Joseph, if I remember yep. correctly. Uh, on that double move, Justin rolls to his left, finds Cole Komet wide open to the right, and that was like a 54-yard touchdown or, or so in that game. Huge moment for the Bears in that one. And I want to see Komet come out with another big splash play this week. You know, it would be really fitting. You know, you just won the Jeff Dickerson Good Guy Award yesterday. Mm -hmm. Hopefully that great week continues for Cole Komet and to just, you know, capitalize on a vulnerable Lions defense there. Well, uh, my second key, and I, I mentioned it a little bit, and even when I was talking about the first one with the rushing attack, but these defenders for the Detroit Lions were missing tackles like it was their job against the Carolina Panthers last week. So if you're the Bears in this rushing attack, Justin Fields, Khalil Herbert, David Montgomery, you need to make these guys actually tackle in space mm -hmm. on these zone reads where these defensive ends have to either pick, you know, are you going to go with Justin? Like there's been a lot of talk about the the mesh point and what the, what the opposing defense are doing against uh, Justin Fields in his rushing attack. Make these defensive ends commit one way or another and then try to exploit that because there were so many missed tackles. And there were times where the corners in position, like Jeff Akuda, didn't want any part of like making an attack on one of the running backs, whether it was Foreman, Hubbard, you know, even Sam Darnold got in some some decent runs there in that game. But you want to test out these defenders to see if they've learned from last week. Because if they haven't, you have guys like Justin Fields who can run a 4-4, four, four, uh, low 4-4. Four, four. You have Khalil Herbert who has obviously speed. And David Montgomery's no slouch either, but – you need to test out every single one of these guys, all 11, on the Detroit Lions and see if they're actually willing to tackle this game because they showed no effort and didn't do that consistently enough against the Panthers and were really blown out of that game. Obviously, the score was 37-23, to 23, but it never really even felt that close based off of how the, the Bears were rushing the ball, or the Bears, the Carolina Panthers were rushing the ball and honestly how the game ended out. The Panthers ran the ball for, and I'm, this is not a typo, I am not misspeaking, 320 yards uh, against this Lions defense last week, Nick. 320 yards. That's insane. Will, when I was watching watching the film and just putting my notes in, I'm like, there's no way. There's no way there's another <laughs> right. big run like that. And it <laughs> consistently happened. I was just like, I, I don't – yeah, I like I said, I had never really seen something like that. So, and it happened right off the bat too. And it was with different running backs in the very first drive. That boom, boom, boom. So, like, mm -hmm. like you, I was just like, "What is going yeah. on?" It, it didn't make a lot of sense watching it because they have a lot to play for and they've been playing well. Yeah. And then they just—I don't know if they were holiday hangover kind of thing or whatever, but it it just wasn't there. And that's why my second key. For the Bears is unleash the beast 
And that is, of course, I'm referencing the Bears three headed rushing mm-hmm. a- attack because they were able to go out and just destroy the Lions last time, too. Dustin Fields had 147 rushing yards against Detroit, and a lot of those came on design run. Do you remember that very first play? It was that little read option, and Justin Fields just takes it outside, mm-hmm. an easy 20-yard pickup. Like, nobody near him. Jogs out of bounds when finally a safety gets over there. Like, that's easy stuff, and that's because the Lions – you said it happened last week, and it even happened against the Bears last time out. Just not a lot of discipline, no gap integrity. Uh, those read options, as you were mentioning, they tend to get baited on those, and offenses can exploit. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson, really talented young player. He's going to be a phenom in this league, but you can get him uh, on some of those zone reads, making him the key and making him pay for you know making a mistake there. Uh in the last meetup, too, Herbert had 57 yards. Montgomery had 37. And so everyone was contributing. And we saw that what the Panthers were able to do last week. So that should happen last week. A big reason why the Bears offense wasn't able to kind of get moving uh, is because the three-headed monster really didn't exist. Justin Fields only 11 yards on seven carries. Herbert only seven yards on six carries. Montgomery had 62 on 16, but... We all expect more out of Justin. We all expect way more out of Khalil Herbert, too. We need all three of these guys to be firing on all cylinders against Detroit, which they should be able to do. And if so, the Spears offense should, and I would expect them to move down the field relatively easily, easily too, and it should help them mitigate the loss of having some of that talent at wide receiver that I referenced just a little bit ago, Nick. I agree there well. And, you know, Matthew uh, Gregory has a good point. One, it's good uh, good to see you too, Matthew, in, in the in the chat here. But their Lions run defense had been good until last week. It, so I, maybe, and this is the thing, how it always works in the NFL too. I For me personally, I put way too much stock into the game before, thinking, all right, you can exploit this. But teams make adjustments. But we need to see that kind of happen. One thing I will add to, you know, unleashing a three-headed monster that you were just mentioning, Will, like the Lions, they had to respect Sam Darnold on these zone reads. Mm. And you know what? Justin Fields is a completely different runner than a Sam Darnold. No, no disrespect to Sam Darnold, but you have to you have to at least respect his ability. Like he scored on a I think it was a, a three-yard touchdown run, but the defensive end had to at least wait. And you know, Sam Darnold gets open. So now I just envision it with Justin Field. It's a completely different animal that the the Viking or the Vikings, the Lions are gonna have to deal with. And they already experienced that 147 yards in the first matchup. But it's uh something worth mentioning. And all this talk going into my third third point here, and still talking about that rushing tech is physicality and how the Bears need to kind of utilize these runs, obviously doing what they've been doing, but they need to get those tight ends involved, like you were mentioning with Cole Komet. Like that's what the Carolina Panthers were doing. Sometimes bringing those guys in motion across the field from left to right and then just banging out and like hitting the defensive end, just walling him off. And that was opening up lanes for these running backs. So same how the the Bears, the Bears should replicate that because they're not really going to have many wide receivers in this one like they did last week. Dante Pettis also had uh, you know an injury yesterday, so we don't know his mm. availability for this week. Equinemius St. Brown didn't practice. Yeah. Neither did Chase Claypool. So – the, the, the numbers are limited on the wide receivers here, Will. So you got to get creative, and you might see some two tight end packages out there with Griffin and Komet, guys that can maybe just, you know, on those given plays be blockers. And that could be a big part of how this rushing tech continues to have success because, of like I said, I need to see it from the Lions. They need to make those adjustments to prove me wrong right now because I'm looking at this Bears matchup, and thinking they can have some success on the ground. Yeah, for sure. Uh, exactly correct there. I see uh, William mentioned, uh, going back to like my last point about the three-headed monster not being effective last week, that it was you know very cold, minus 22 degrees uh, against the top defense. Totally agreed. Uh, uh, not trying to like hide about that fact, but the fact was they weren't able to do much. I, I know Buffalo had tremendous success running against this Bears defense. We all know exactly what they've been unable to do this season. Uh, but I figured that was a, a given. My final key here this week, though, uh, is just take shots. And no, Nick, I'm not talking about Malort, okay? I know it's New Year's Eve weekend, but no, I'm, I'm not talking about Malort. <laughs> you stay away from that, my friend. Uh, but take shots. If Bayless can come down with another huge downfield catch this week, that would just be uh, awesome. Mm-hmm. Detroit does allow the most yards per completion in the league at 12. 
Uh, the Bears, they had a few shots last time out. I talked about that Cole Komet play earlier. Uh, they averaged 12.5 yards per completion in that game. The Bears did. They need to do that uh, again. It's not always like the big play, like for 30, 40, 50 yards down the field. It's just, hey, I got 12 here, 10 there, 9 there. It's Those add up pretty quickly if you can pick apart a defense methodically like that. And for the Bears, uh, again, going up against a very good Bills defense in the weather, they only averaged 7.9 last week, but they should be able to push the ball downfield better, more easily against this Detroit Lions defense, just like they did a handful of weeks ago. And that's why I would expect them, and I'm encouraging them, to take some shots downfield. That will be my final key here for the Bears offense. And you know what will, what will help Justin Fields take those shots downfield is actually getting some linemen back. Yeah, oh. Tevin Jenkins actually yeah. practicing, and he did say yesterday to reporters that he does expect to play on Sunday, which is so encouraging considering how he left the game Yes. Uh, you know, just a few weeks ago. And then you also had Cody White here was limited. So you're you're seeing the line actually come back together for the, the, the Bears offensive line that is coming back together, which is definitely key uh, for the Bears, what they want to do on Sunday against the Lions. And potentially that's that passing attack that you were just talking about. Mm-hmm, exactly. Let's uh, move a little quickly just because obviously we talked some breaking news stuff on the top uh, for the defensive keys. I'll kick this thing off. And last time, my very first key for the Bears defense was contain St. Brown. I'm changing it this time. It's actually contain St. Brown because they just got destroyed by this man. (laughs) We warned him on Thursday, but in case you want a refresher, he had 11 targets, 10 catches, 119 yards against this Bears defense. And the secondary just, you know, they have played better. Uh, It's a different secondary than what they've seen the last time out. No Jalen Johnson, no Eddie Jackson. Uh, But I still believe, you know, the Bears will benefit from forcing the Lions to just beat you with someone else other than St. Brown. Take him out of the equation. He has 30 more targets than any other Lion since the last time we played them in Week 10. He has 55 targets since that game. Uh, The next player on the Lions has 25 targets, and that was DJ Shark. Uh, Detroit, uh, again, what they are able to do so well last time, uh, and I want to kind of explain why they had this production was because they found ways to kind of get him in really good matchups against Bears linebackers in coverage. Hmm. St. Brown against any linebacker is a mismatch. He was uh, six of his 10 catches and 79 of his yards came with a linebacker in coverage with Sanborn, Nicholas Morrow, and Joe Thomas. And all six of those catches moved the chains. They were big, hmm. crucial catches on those drives. But when they actually through St. Brown's way against some of the players in the secondary, the the success wasn't there as much. Jalen Johnson uh, in coverage, two targets, one catch, eight yards. Taquan Brisker, one target, one catch, five. Jalen Jones, one catch, one target, five yards. Eddie Jackson, zero catches allowed on one target. And Kyler Gordon, one catch, 22 yards surrendered to St. Brown. So obviously, Kudos to the Lions for finding ways to exploit the Bears' zone defense, getting him on these linebackers, but the Bears need to find a way to either double him, if that's the case, or just avoid it altogether. Because if not, and he has the same matchups going up against the Bears' backers, he's going to be in for another big, easy day, and that's just going to help the Lions easily move the ball downfield. Yeah, and right now the strength of the Bears' defense, if there's a strength right now in the secondary, but it's not the linebackers. They're hurting at the linebacker position as of right now. Uh, my first key is watch like what obviously you got to watch Amon Amon Ross St. Brown, but Shane Ziltra had a monster game uh, last week against the Carolina Panthers. Five receptions, not going to kill you in the yardage, twenty six yards, but he had three touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, just in the back of the end zone, uh, they just forgot about him. Just would leak out. He wouldn't even pretend like he's blocking. Just hey, just straight up, I'm going to run a corner route. You're not going to block me because I'm Shane Ziltra. And he got open and scored touchdowns for the Detroit Lions. So, again, going back to those linebackers we just talked about, we we need to see um, if the Bears, if they do take away somehow or limit, mitigate the damage from St. Brown, don't let this guy beat you. He definitely put a dent in, you know, the Carolina Panthers defense, what he's able to do in terms of scoring points. But you need to see exactly how they're going to use him. And if they're looking for another alternative option, yeah, they have Jameson Williams, who's kind of coming into his own a little bit. You also have DJ Chark had a big catch downfield, mm-hmm. uh, left sidelining against the Panthers. But don't let Siltra go off for three touchdowns against you because the Bears defense is giving up points. So just don't let it be to that guy. 
Yeah, if you allow the Lions to march down into the red zone, say it's same Brown, uh, just throwing a name out there. I don't mm-hmm, know why mm-hmm. uh, that one sticks to me, but it does. <laughs> and then you allow them to get into the side that's 20, and then Zilstra is, you know, puts the icing on the cake easily. Man, it's going to be really hard to play catch up in a situation like that. Good point there, Nick. My second key, I'll keep this short, sweet, and to the point. And it's just find a way to force takeaways. The Bears had zero uh, against the Lions last time out. And it, Nick, this is so damn simple. It's stupid. When the Lions <laughs> commit a turnover this year, okay, when they commit at least one turnover on offense, they are one and eight this season. But when they have a clean game, they are six and one. It's just a huge disparity wow. uh, of their record when they either have a turnover or don't uh, on offense. And over the last two weeks, the Bears have forced six of these three to three. I mean, sorry, three to three back to back three turnover games on defense against two of the best offenses in the league. So the bears need to find a way to kind of keep this momentum rolling and take away the football. Uh, Because if so, like I said, the lions one and eight, if they have at least one turnover on offense, six and one uh, when they have none, it's such a huge difference. I know they're important for every team, but I think for the lions, it just has a little bit more weight. No, uh, Will, that's great by you, and I'm going to get really repetitive in about two keys uh, after this one, but we're going to first go to my, <laughs> my second one. Hands up, and what, what I mean, like, don't give up on the play, obviously, but hands up for these defensive linemen that really can't get to the quarterback right now, Will. It's, everyone nope. knows that. There is no type of pass rush, but in that, it was pretty cold in, um, you know, in that, that Lions-Panthers game, but a lot of those defenders for the Panthers, they didn't get to Jared Goff, simply were timing when he was throwing the ball, knocking the ball down, and obviously just destroying the play altogether when the ball is ending up on the ground, incomplete pass. So for a Bears defensive line that you know hasn't gotten a sack, again, I don't even remember now, or has caused consistent pressure, that might be your second-best option. So Travis Gibson, Dominique Robinson, you know, Justin Jones obviously capable of, capable of doing that as well, but – Get those hands up, man. Try to impact the play in one way because trying to, you know, ask for any type of pass rush seems pointless at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, Will, I know someone mentioned it in, in our chat already about that, but I think right now try to get your hands up, time those passes. There were a lot of tip passes from Jared Goff in that game against the Panthers, so that might be your best option. And that's going to help you. A tip pass at the line of scrimmage can easily lead to a takeaway on defense. I I like it. And honestly, I just want to applaud both of us for not coming out here with a key about find a pass rush or stop the run. Because it's just not what this defense can do right now. You have to find other ways to beat these opponents. And that's what we're trying to do here uh, because I feel like putting any of those as keys it's just like uh, you just have to like pray it actually happens and i I still doubt it would my final key uh, here for the bears on defense this week is just get off the field right again they really struggled like mightily against the lions last time and i do fear it could happen again here are the scoring drives from the lions last time out 14 plays 68 yards 13 plays 80 yard drive four Mm. plays 55 eight plays 91 yards and then he had a one pick six so that doesn't count here too if you're trying to figure out why it doesn't add up uh so that was 39 plays all right and four scores they only forced on those 39 plays six third downs uh in the wow. entirety uh, of that span it's 6.5 plays per third down forced and out of those six on those drives, they only made one third down stop. And then the Lions went four down, fourth down, and was able to get it uh, on that one, too. So practically zero stops in any of those do-or-die situations on those drives. And it's, it was just way too easy for Detroit. It was, it's demoralizing for a defense when you can't get off the field or even force an offense into third down. It puts all the confidence in the palm of that offense's hand. And we, you talked about putting the hands up for the defense, and I think that's going to help because the big key – behind this lack of success was that lack of pressure. We had the Lions in third and longs multiple mm-hmm. times. And when they got into the situations, no pressure. Goff had, he could have done the alphabet forward and backwards uh, and then passed that football. He had all day to find a receiver. So the Bears need to be better on third down, need to be better enforcing them in a third down situations. And then when they do, just find a damn way to get off the field because that was just insufferable to watch. And I'm sure it feels even worse being on the field when it's happening. 
Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Well, and one way they can get off the field is my last key, which you already mentioned, is forced turnovers. So there really isn't any reason for me to go really deep down into mm-hmm. why that's important. Will, you already gave the great stats of what the Detroit Lions do in terms of wins and losses when they turn over the ball and when they don't. So obviously that's going to keep be key for a young secondary, Will, that's generating these turnovers despite not having that pass rush. So if you know, that that combination continues to work, then maybe the Bears will, you know, go back to right how this podcast started with the word I said, winnable, uh, be, be in the, the Bears' favor this week. And if not, the good of mine with points, with a lot of points yeah, surrendered. Exactly. So, so there we go. It all works out. So that's our keys to success on both sides of the ball this week. Uh, hopefully the Bears are listening, uh, unlike the last time they played the Lions. And again, I know it was only a one-point loss, but the outcome definitely would have been different. Let's get into our weekly Bears Bowl predictions brought to you by Green Ridge Farm. I'll start mine off here this week, Nick. Bayless Jones Jr. He's going to have 75 receiving yards, one receiving touchdown, and a kick return across the 50-yard line. Bold prediction. Boom, I like it. Just... Valus stacking, stacking good days, he, even if it's at the end of the season. Doesn't matter when well, it doesn't matter it does. when it happens. <laughs> but but it needs to happen at some yes. point. So it's it's good to see. I like that a lot. Will my bold prediction. We talked about this rushing attack for the Bears, what it could potentially do, how bad the Lions rush defense was last week. Justin Fields had 147 yards rushing against the Lions. Look, the Bears are not gonna have a lot of wide receivers in this one. The Lions need to show to me that they can make adjustments from last week. I have, for my bold prediction, Justin Fields goes off for 150 yards rushing in this game against the Detroit Lions. It's going to be indoors. He's going to be on turf. He's talked about that. He does like playing on turf. It's not going to be that frigid cold weather that I was at last week. So polar opposite. It was his lowest yardage total, 11 yards rushing last week. Mm-hmm. Complete opposite. Goes back to the Justin Fields that we've been accustomed to seeing and goes for 150 yards rushing against the Detroit Lions. That gets some knocking on the door heading into the final game of the season. And that's all I'm going to mm-hmm. say, because I don't want to put anything else on it, but he's knocking on the door. If you need to know what door it is, uh, I'm sure you can figure that one out. Uh, Chris Flick says the bears bros. He's excited to see us and we're excited to see you too, Chris. Appreciate it. Uh, before we get into the more, content here in today's episode i want to tell you more about our partner game time the hot wait pause i always do this and i look back at my notes nick i want to know more about green ridge farm why do i always do I, this yeah no uh you know i thought you were just gonna come back to me afterwards but i, I obviously we're doing no. the green ridge farm segment and what is green ridge farm you may be asking in your first time viewing this podcast well it's a chicago local meat and cheese company that offers a better all-natural option Green Ridge Farm are the makers of all-natural deli meat, sausages, and their famous meat sticks. Perfect for tailgating, happy hour, and school lunches. Also have 16 grams of protein per stick. Perfect for a post-workout snack. And you can find them at Costco, Sam's Club, and a local Chicagoland grocery stores. And right now, when you order any three meat products at GreenRidgeFarm.com and include a pack of meat sticks in your cart, those meat sticks will will be free simply by using code CHGO at checkout. There we go. Now that I kind of recalibrated and we're not ahead of ourselves, now it's time to tell you about Game Time, the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. Have you ever dreamed of sitting in a seat you thought you never could? The 50-yard line, courtside, behind home plate, floor seats at a concert, it's all possible with the Game Time app. The biggest last-minute price drops can be found on the seats you thought you could never buy. And you won't find a better deal this season on the Bears' final two games of the year. Of course, hey, the Bulls won a big game last night. I'm sure you can find some great deals uh, on them, too, on Game Time. And they were created by the fans for the fans, and they guarantee the lowest price. So if you love Seach Show, then I know you're going to love Game Time. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in our description, whether it's here on YouTube or on the podcast player of choice. Join over 15 million people who have downloaded the Game Time app and scored the best seats to all your favorite events. And if you look right here, you can find seats in the $40 range heading into the Bears' final game of the season at Soldier Field against the Minnesota Vikings. Great stuff there, Joey, for throwing that on the screen. Appreciate you, man. Uh, But let's get back into today's content, and it's time to find out who has the edge this week. 
And Nick, I just want to know before we start this segment, did you realize that our schedule and how it worked out is that we had the same exact ones heading into the Bears-Lions matchup last time? Like, we didn't even alternate. It's just we have the same exact categories. I guess I didn't even notice that. Um, but, you know, it's just it just worked out perfectly. So that's how it happens. I was like, this feels familiar. So I had to go back and like look at my notes. Like, what did I say last time and how have things changed? And I thought that was a fun exercise. So I'll kick things off. I have the Bears pass attack versus that Lions pass defense. And I gave the Bears the edge here last time. And I thought they proved that one true. Again, only 167 yards passing, uh, but fields through for two touchdowns. Overall, pretty effective. And those touchdowns were pretty crucial, like that big one to Cole Komet. They just leaned on the running game more because, well, the Lions weren't stopping it. So the big mm-hmm. question is going to be, and we've already kind of talked about it, like how is this offense going to operate uh, without Darnell Mooney this time around? Uh, we are used to his absence a little bit, but we did have him, and he was the Bears' best wide receiver in that Bears-Lions matchup in Week 10. Claypool, as we mentioned, did not practice on Wednesday. Same with St. Brown. Dante Pettis was limited. Like You know, like, oh boy, like the – who you have to throw to is getting really slim and it's a little alarming. Uh, but still, when you look at the Lions, third most pass yards allowed per game, most yards surrendered per completion, sixth most passing touchdowns allowed this year. And since we played them, looking at like their schedule, they've allowed 237 or more yards through the air every single week but one, and they have three games of allowing 287-plus, including nearly 400 yards allowed to the Vikings through the air. 223, by the way, came from Justin Jefferson. Uh, I just want to point that out. And I know the Bears don't have that kind of talent at wide receiver, but I still believe Fields will be effective enough to make the Lions wish they did more to defend the pass. So the Bears will get the edge here again for me this week. Nick, Bears rush attack versus Lions run defense. I feel like I know where this is going to go based off our conversation earlier in this show, but you could, no, you're not going to prove me wrong. I'm not going to prove you wrong. Will. I'm going with the bears rushing attack. And like, again, the lions were good before that game against the Panthers, but they need to show it in this matchup. So simply the bears rushing attack should be, there's just a lot of matchups that I like in terms of what the bears can do with that zone read and having Justin Fields, be that that other option that they have to account for if you're the Detroit Lions. You can't just forget about him because you went for 147 last time. He can easily do that again if you're going to play exactly how you played against the Carolina Panthers. So I'm giving it to the Bears here. All right, we'll flip it to the Bears defense, their run defense versus that Lions rushing attack. And look, in the second half of the season, the Lions have not been a great rushing team in terms of yards. Uh, they're not averaging as much as they were earlier this year, but this is partly due to their passing attack actually Mm -hmm. becoming more effective in Detroit. Uh, The Bears, they only allowed the Lions to run for 95 yards, which was the third lowest output for the Lions this season. Uh, And coming off a game of only 45 yards on the ground, Jamal Williams got banged up a bit. I know he's already off the injury report, but you have to kind of keep an eye on that. They have the eighth fewest rush yards over the last three weeks, and they're only averaging 3.8 yards per carry uh, in that span. Uh, The Bears, though, giving up the most yards on the ground over the last three weeks, 180 per game, uh, including that 254 to Buffalo last week, 8.2 yards per carry for the Bills last week against this Bears defense. And I understand they're a great offense. I understand the elements, but still, 8.2 yards per carry is absolutely absurd. And you just know you can't really trust this Bears defense to stop anybody on the ground. This is an easy one. Lions get the edge here uh, on the ground on offense. Yeah, and, and the same is going to go for the Lions passing attack against this Bears, you know, pass defense, despite the Bears showing some positive signs in the secondary. We talked about the pass rush. It's it's non-existent and unless they're batting down every single pass. And I know Matthew in our chat said, hey, just get a bunch of seven-footers and put them at the line and tell them to put their hands up. Yeah, maybe the Bears need to go that route because they're not really rushing the quarterback at this point. So, and I think Jared Goff, he's, he's shown some good things this season. Well, he really has um, in terms of throwing the ball, throwing with anticipation, using his playmakers. Amon Ross St. Brown makes that a little easier, too, because of the separation he can create. But I'm going to give this one to the Lions. And just looking at this Bears defense, it, it kind of just makes sense why the Lions get favored in both of our matchups uh, for the second time that they are playing. So, it's pretty much exactly how it played out last time with yeah. <laughs> each offense 
is having itself the edge here. And that's why we expect points to be put up in this game. That gets a lot has changed, but nothing has changed all at the same time between these teams. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a good way of even looking at it. Um, Bears still don't have uh, receivers to throw to. They, their offense relies on just field, the rushing attack and, you know, Lions, I think now, obviously, they're, they're, they are fighting for something. Even back then, obviously, they were. But at 7-8, and eight, this is a very important game for them. Yes, it, it really is. And we actually need to do X-Factors, huh? I just keep scrolling right around. I completely and, forgot about X-Factors, too. Right? You said it's a big game for the Lions. I'm like, yeah, that's actually part of my X-Factor. Wait oh. a minute. <laughs> we didn't do our X-Factor. So my X-Factor this week, Nick, is... Playing with a purpose. Like the Lions are fighting for a playoff spot. They are still very much eligible to make the playoffs via a wild card spot. The Bears are like, what are they doing? Like, purpose does matter, passion matters. What are the Bears going to be playing for? Is it pride? Is it to become spoiler for a divisional rival? They just need more than they need to have more to play for than quote, learning to win. They need something bigger this week if they want to go out here and win this game because the Lions have everything, and I mean everything to gain by beating the Bears here this week. That makes them dangerous. But what are the Bears playing for? If it's spoiler, great. It should be a really fun game. If it's just, quote, learning how to win and developing and getting some film on guys, that's going to fall flat, and it's going to be really hard to, to win this game. But you're just going to want need to want it more than the Lions, which I'm sure they're really going to want it. And after – getting their asses handed to them. I'm going to use that because that's what Dan, that's what uh, what they said after the game. I expect them to come out firing and fighting and trying to, you know, punch and knock out the Bears quickly because they want to have something to play for in week 18. Yeah, no, it makes complete sense uh, with that team and how, you know, it's played out this season. They're they're in a spot to be there. And I, re- I really like that X factor. Well, mine is going back to, uh, the Bears' offensive line, like I said, they're getting some guys back in Tevin Jenkins, uh, potentially Cody Whitehair. But if they can play with that physicality, I also mentioned as one of my keys, then you're going to see this rushing attack for the Bears do some good things on Sunday. And, yes, the, the Lions are probably going to have a stacked box because you're not going to have a lot of wide receiver threats, these vertical threats down the field. But, you know, you could still execute your blocks, get in the position you need. Uh, do your assignment. Alignment assignment technique is what Iberflus preaches. will say almost every single press conference about execution. They can do that on a more consistent basis than the Lions can on defense. You're going to see this Bears rushing attack have some good yardage, good production, keep the Bears in the game, and generate points ultimately. So that's going to be the X factor, though. Can this offensive line come to play on Sunday when getting a couple guys back? And if so, I like what the Bears can do on the ground. All right, up next, we're going to tell you who we think will be the MVB, who wins the game, our confidence meters. But before we get into all of that, I want to share this message from DraftKings. The fans, the tradition, the glory. There's nothing more thrilling than college football. It's bowl season, and the action is far from over. My go-to for betting is DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. Uh, if you're excited for the, ch- NF, uh, the NCAA championship game like I am, definitely check out DraftKings because right now, new customers can place a $5 pregame money line bet on a college football team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Plus, everyone can combine multiple bets for a bigger payout with DraftKings Same Game Parlays. You know, the Nicholas Moriano special. Add a million legs, and if you win, you're not coming into work for quite a long time. And download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code CCO, and new customers can place a $5 pregame money line bet on a college football team to win and get $150 if your team does. That's code CCO only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And for anybody wondering, on Tuesday's show earlier in the week, I said I deleted all my sports gambling app. Everything gone. DraftKings gone. I now have it back. I placed a bet. <laughs> and I still lost, but I still have the app. I still have the app. I'm dedicated. Uh, you know, I tried well to like say, hey, maybe I need to do something. And I took the first steps and I got right back into it. But hey, it, it was uh I did research, it just didn't work out for me in my bet. But I do have DraftKings <laughs> again. I know people are making fun of me for that, but uh I do have to tell you about another great sponsor of the show, FOCO. Chicago, you've already got the best coverage for your favorite team, so get fitted out in the best sports gear around. FOCO's got you covered from Soldier Field to the front room, north or south side, with hoodies, slippers, signs, bobbleheads, and everything 
in between. Get decked out like Demar. Oh man, he had an awesome, you know, fourth quarter performance that I didn't watch, but I got to see some of the highlights. And he also got in Grayson Allen's face. Hate that dude. Uh, sorry, from the best apparel, apparel and leader in sports, merch and collectibles, Foco. Looking for the perfect gift for the football fan in your life? Foco's got you covered with hoodies to fight that Lake Michigan breeze. Check out foco.com or click the link in the description below for all non-presale items. Use the promo code CHGO for 10% off. All right, great stuff there, Nick. I opened up the DraftKings app looking at this Bears-Lions game because I love to play over-unders. And, Nick, they hate to allow us to play over-unders. There's no player props for this matchup. What? I don't know why. I feel like it's not like Justin's playing, golf is playing. We know who's playing for Detroit. Uh, I don't know why this would be the one game out of like the five that I spot mm-hmm. check that don't have any player props. Uh, but I'm going to at least give you some team props I see here. And you can just let me okay. know what you think. But what about the Bears over under 2.5 touchdowns? I would say over uh, in this game personally. Again, I just expect a lot of points. I'm going over that as well. I think, uh, what happened last week is not going to carry over into this game. And then same thing with the Lions. Their Lions at 3.5. I still expect them to score around four touchdowns, if not more. Twenty. Yeah, yeah, I can see that too. All right. Well, that's the team props. What about game props real quick? <laughs> the Bears' first drive result? Is it going to be a punt, a touchdown, a field goal attempt, or a turnover, turnover on downs, or a safety, Nick? Shouldn't be a touchdown. Well, they went down the field and scored on the Buffalo Bills, and then they didn't really score much after the game. So, all right, you can get uh, that at plus that. 260, plus 260 for that one right there, Nick. That's not see, bad. That's my problem. <laughs> that's my yep, problem. you're like, Ooh. <laughs> And then I, I'm just looking at the game in general. This can maybe give away a little bit of our game prediction, but uh, what about the total at 52? I'm saying over. What did I have? Um, 52. Uh, 52. I am under 52. Ooh. Yes, yes, I'm under 52. I had to quickly do math. Uh, yes, under 52. And then what about the spread? They have the Bears at plus six. Will they cover the spread? And I know we'll give who wins later, but I I, I don't have them in my prediction, so I will say no. I will say yes. Okay. I like it. I wish we had some players. To, to actually use here, but uh, I will digress. We utilize what we have in front of us. All right. Mm-hmm. MVB, Nick. MVB, most valuable bear at the end of the game. Who is it going to be? So I had this player as my MVB last week. It didn't didn't work out, all right? It just didn't work out. He didn't really play too much. But it's Khalil Herbert. Khalil Herbert's going to be the MVB. Hey. I just see the, the potential there, Will, the big runs that all these – Carolina Panthers running backs had last week. And I think he's the guy that can out again, outside of Justin Fields. That's that's how this, this segment goes now, but he's the guy that can really pop off and get, you know, even more yards than he did the first time. I think it was around 50, what was it? 57, somewhere around there. So I think uh, when it all comes down to how the bears rushing attack will have success, Khalil Herbert's going to be a big part of it. So he is my week 17 MVP. All right, I am going defense this week in a game that I expect a bunch of points. I, I don't know if this makes sense, uh, but I'm going with Kyler Gordon. Last week I wanted Jalen Johnson, and he didn't even play, so I feel like I'm at least on a better <laughs> track here this week. When I saw that news break, I was like, son of a gun, because mm-hmm. like the injury happened so late, but again, I digress. Uh, but Kyler Gordon, uh, I'm going to ride the hot hand here this week. He was only targeted twice in the last meetup. He did allow two catches, uh, one for 22 yards, another one for six. Uh, but he's coming off back-to-back interception games. He has that fumble recovery. I've just been enjoying watching him play. That confidence is at an all-time high. He's playing his best football, playing with instincts. He's getting a real feel for the game. You can see it out there where he's really understanding what an offense is trying to do and how they're trying to attack that Bears defense. So I have him coming away with another big-time play. I don't know if that's an interception, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, but I just feel like he's going to make an impact here in this game, and hopefully he can help be a part of shutting down uh, a few of these receivers for the Lions. We know about Amon Ross St. Brown. Heck, DJ Shark over his last four games has 318 yards with one touchdown on 16 catches. So he's another big-time playmaker who has been making plays now that he's healthy for the Lions. So Kyler Gordon, bring it on home and be the MVB when it's all said and done here this week. Nick, 
Who wins this game? Can or sorry, will the Bears play spoiler this week, or does the losing streak slash tankathon slash draft status all kind of stay put? Well, well, here's how I I want to I want to make a jump in the standings right now for the CHGO staff. Um, Adam Hogan and I we're sitting at the bottom. We're, we haven't done so well to this season. We're both six and eight, and I know he's picking Detroit. I'm picking the Bears to win this wow. game. They do play spoiler. Everyone's going to be pissed off when it happens, and they don't get the number one overall pick. But this is a very this is a winnable game. And you know, Mark, Adam, and I were talking about that on Tuesday. I think they can do it, and I have the Bears winning this one, 27 to 24. But more importantly, I'll move to seven and eight in the standings. Adam Hogue, I know he's going to pick the Lions. He'll go to six and nine. Nice. I see. I beat you to it. <laughs> I knew it was you coming. It. I knew it was coming. I I felt the setup from a mile away, but I like it. It's bold. I could have counted for a bold prediction perhaps yeah. this week. No, the Bears lost to Detroit by one. Like this is a winnable game. And you preface that right away in the very top of this episode. But I just feel like the Bears have continued to find ways to lose. And I do feel like they are just kind of on that streak. And at the end of the day, I don't know what they're playing for. And that's why I have them losing this game. I have the final score 31, 24 would not be surprised if it's closer than that because the lions do give up 26.3 points per game. The Bears scored 30 on them last time. Uh, and then on top of that too, just Jared Goff has been playing on a different level than we last mm-hmm. saw. He has, uh, through, uh, what through the first eight games, like right before we saw him, he had 14 touchdowns, seven interceptions since we played him 12 touchdowns, no interceptions, and it has had a quarterback rating in a game of 110 or more for different times. And this time, the Bears don't have Sanborn. They don't have Eddie Jackson, and they don't have Jalen Johnson. So for all of those reasons, I expect the Bears to be on the short end of the stick here this week, drop another one, and all I'm going to say is let's go Texans. What's your confidence, Peter, Nick? Yeah, uh, real quickly, I see Greg's in, in the chat here who's leading those standings. Uh, Greg, you are, you are leading those standings, uh, 10 and four, very impressive, but you're not going to get a a, a win this week because I have the bears winning and you're going to take the lions. I just know it. Uh, but going back to, uh, the question you asked, well, my confidence, I haven't had a five. It's not very confident that the bears will win this one. It's going to be, I think a close game, but you mentioned all the guys that were out on defense for the bears that were there in the first matchup were no longer here for this matchup. It does make things a lot more difficult for, for the Bears to pull off a victory. But, man, just how they played last week, and you know Dan Campbell's going to want to get that team just right, just fix a lot of those wrongs that were happening. But, I, again, I need to see it. But I'm at a five at my confidence meter because easily the Lions, they have a better team right now, right? Just looking at it, how they've been playing. Mention the stats with Goff. Easily can win this one. But I'm at a five for my confidence. I'm at a four personally. It's uh, it's interesting because like for you choosing them to win, but being at a five is like, it's a low five, but for me having mm-hmm. them lose and put it up to a four, it's a high number because like, Oh, the bear still could win. So perspective prevails here uh, this afternoon on the show. But again, it's a game where if the bears establish that ground attack and run all over this lion's defense, throw, as effectively as I expect them to like, again, I expect them to score points. I just don't know what this defense is going to do. I don't know if they can stop anybody right now. It's just hard to play catch up when your defense is surrendering uh touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. Heck last game, Nick, the bears Lions game, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't that the game in the first half? Like you blinked and it was over because both offenses were just running clock and grinding mm-hmm. down the field. And, long sustained drives. And it was like the fastest first quarter of my entire lifetime. Like I I can be very similar here on Sunday. No, it definitely can. Um, And again, it's indoors too. Like, I feel like it's just going to be like you said, going to what you're saying about the points, right. The top of the podcast easily can be that, you know, more that's more likely, I think for the Detroit lions than it would be for the bears, but easily can be obtained by both teams. All right, let's go ahead and get to some of the questions that we have here start up. If you have a Bears question, I think we only have like a three to four technically start here. So this is a great time. If you have one, throw it in the chat. But real quickly, uh, let's get to 
uh, Larry, who asked, like, what's the trade look like for Devontae Adams? I know we talked about him at the top. Man, it's hard to just come out with, like, something concrete that I feel comfortable, like, saying in a public space like this. But it's going to be hefty. I'll tell you that. Like, whatever it is, the Bears will have to give up more than maybe most would like. But to get a player of the caliber of Devontae Adams in Chicago to pair with Justin Fields, who has experience with Luke Getzey, Man, like it's exciting to put all those pieces together. I just think it'll be expensive. The Bears won't hold their first overall pick this year. I don't know if they'll be able to go to the Raiders and also get their first round this year in addition to Adams, or maybe you have to do a 2024 first rounder or second rounder. It gets murky because you don't know what they're going to ask, and you don't know how willing the Bears are to like drive up or pay a hefty cost for him too but whatever it is i would not expect the bears to to pick number one or pick number two this year if they make a trade like this yeah no doubt about that well and i'm just trying to see what they gave up it was a first round selection a second round pick this year to go get adams or that was a trade the packers made uh with the raiders yeah it's just hard to tell and again are the are the raiders going to be willing to trade or even listen to offers for a guy they just got and they gave up so much to get. So it's um, I'm not going to say it's a pipe dream because we've seen crazy things. Wide receivers get moved from teams that you never would have thought, like who would have thought Adams would have been trading the first place or Tyree kill or those guys. But yeah, it is uh like I said, it'll be an interesting situation because their car is his guy. If he's not there, I mean, who are you bringing? I don't know. It gets, gets really interesting. It, it does. It absolutely does. All right. What do we have next? Uh, William is asking me if I bought an Aaron Rodgers jersey yet because we need that curse. You know, no, I haven't bought one yet. I feel like I can utilize my money more wisely, and I appreciate you understanding my jersey curse, uh, as unfortunate as it is. But I think I've said it before, and Nick, uh, I think I've told it to you too. Like, if I buy a jersey with the intent of cursing a player, it's going to have the opposite effect. It won't work. And so uh, I think the powers that be will know I'm trying to pull a fast one and it won't work. So the answer is no, but I, I like the way you think there, uh, William, uh, without question. Uh, will, did you know that Mark Carmen also has a little bit of Jersey curse as well? He got the Sanborn Jersey mm. the next game. He's done. Damn. So it's like, I'm like, what's going on with these uh, people at CHGO with the jerseys and people <laughs> no longer playing or getting hurt. So yep. Traded, right. Like- my Jordan Howard jersey got traded weeks after. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, damn it. I mean, we share a birthday and everything. That was fun. Wore the Mooney jersey on the show, and then he got hurt. Wore the yeah, Justin yeah. Fields jersey during the Falcons game that I wore that I shoved to the back of my closet and tried to act like I forgot I bought it. <laughs> wore it one time this season, and it had to be the Falcons game. So it's real, and I hate it as much as everyone listening here, uh, too. Uh, I did see a good question that came in. uh, Exactly. Here we go from William too. like worst organization Browns or Raiders. And he wants us to keep in mind that the Browns just brought in one of the Paul brothers, man. I feel like go ahead, Nick. I I feel like either can like contend for like worst franchise. And I almost feel like it can be like a one A and a one B here because both are very poorly run and executed. Yeah. And the whole Deshaun Watson thing, when you think Mm -hmm. about the Browns, but yeah, the whole Paul, like, I, I don't, they sign. I don't know what the agreement is. They, there's not a lot of uh, info on it, but yeah, that's just weird in itself. Anytime you do that, it's like, what? Like, what are we doing here? But yeah, one A, one B. Everything that happened with the Raiders, John Gruden, the email, like, not good. You don't want to be a part of those organizations right now. It's just so weird. I mean, heck, I know Logan uh, in wrestling in that world did mm-hmm. came over this year and he's put together some hell of a matches. I'll, I'll give him that credit. Did not expect anything like that. But yeah, it's just interesting that they get like in a way like this weird special treatment to get these chances that not many people are getting elsewhere. Yeah. But, you know, kudos to them. Keep making the content. Uh, but uh, let's see. I saw someone about an over under for Valus and fumbles of that zero. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to say under because he, when I saw Matt Eberflus in that presser after the game that we were at a couple of weeks ago, and they mentioned that fumble from Valus, like his face mm-hmm. got like, you can just see like he was pissed off 
uh, about this. And they, he, you can tell that they've been preaching it, not just Avalis, but the entire team since Luce's arrival about how to properly hold a football. He talks about having five different points of contact on a ball, like that specific. Like I want five points of contact at all times over here, tucked up. And it just wasn't something that Bayless has been doing. So ever since you, I bet you that they've had him do some extra drills and reps and practice for ball security. And it's a huge focal point. So I'm hopeful it's clean for the rest of the year, but it's still discouraging how many we've seen hit the turf out of Bayless's hands this year. But I'm hopeful that he's been chewed out enough uh, that it's just going to be a thing of the past for the remainder of this season. And Will, like, he's going to have more opportunities this game because he's kind of forced to, given the wide receiver situation that the Bears are in right now. I know he, what, muffed, uh, muffed and got it back on one of the kickoffs, but it's like, you know, more opportunities, there's more, it could happen. That's all I'm saying. But hopefully he gets it. Uh, sorry, but not sorry. Ask, is it more important for the current team to earn and feel a win or a better draft pick? It's a really good question. I lean draft pick mm-hmm. <laughs> personally. I feel like beating the Lions may give you a short little boost, make, may make you feel better coming into House Hall on Monday. But at the end of the day, if you want to make this franchise better, <laughs> draft status is going to do it uh, at this juncture. Again, where you only have two games to go. You have a realistic shot at the number one overall pick. Uh, you can drop down, I think, either to four or five still currently as a huge swing. Uh, so I do think draft status has the heavier weight right now. Yeah, and you know, Justin Fields talked about that yesterday, what it would mean to get a win. And it's very relatable with anybody. You don't have to be a NFL quarterback to understand what a win would, would why it would resonate with Justin Fields. It's just you, you'll feel good. You put in all this work throughout the week to prepare for a game plan, to go out and execute and to see a win, you know, that's, that's what we all kind of strive for. Like all the work that we do in whatever job it is, you hope you want to see it pay out in the end. So very relatable why, why Justin Fields would like to get a win. So the short term, I see it long-term. I also see exactly what you just said. Well, about the number one overall pick, what it can mean to this franchise, what they can do, potentially trading it. So many open possibilities, but, I see where I see both sides of the equation here and we'll see what, what the bears do on Sunday to lean one way or another towards those uh, results. I know that uh, there we go. Riley asked us about our thoughts on the big 10 commission being the new bears president. We hit on that in the top of the show, but since you asked the question, I know Nick, you are very high on him for his experience in Minnesota uh, due to the stadium. I'll let you kind of expound on that real quickly and then we can, get to like a final question here for the show. But I figured since Riley asked and and missed the top of the show, we can definitely just kind of re-hit that real quickly. Yeah, no, I'm all for it, Um, especially considering what the Bears are doing moving forward with eventually moving to the Arlington Heights location, knowing that Kevin Warren was a huge component and just a – a visionary for what U.S. Bank Stadium currently is right now, helping the construction, the design, the legal, um, operational aspects, all that stuff. Kevin Warren's blueprint, or his fingerprints are all over the blueprints that he eventually <laughs> reinstated there. So I, I, I am in favor of it. And, you know, I, anything with, you know, Ted Phillips now being done, it's probably best for the organization <laughs> moving forward. It's this new era of Bears football. So, yeah, I think it's it's great for the Bears and for what it can be. And it's nice having a guy that's done it, right? So that that's also the the hope and what he can bring to this Bears organization. All right, and the final question I see here is uh, Matthew Gregory wants to know if we think that Ryan Poles uh, making that swing by trading a uh, for Trace Claypool is that enough, and he won't make another big move at the position? I think it's. To me, it's pretty clear that he is never going to be content uh, with the talent mm-hmm. on the team, always looking to improve it. And by no means has Claypool showed anybody uh, that he is the guy that you can build this wide receiver room around. If he can develop and become a guy here in Chicago, nobody's going to complain. But as of right now, what we've seen with both, I guess, injuries, so durability, and just the lack of actual impact on the field, no way he's done adding to this positional group uh, for Justin next year. You can't roll in 
uh, next season. You have to find someone to elevate. We you need to find a couple of guys to elevate the floor, but then you need to find that guy that takes that ceiling to a whole nother level too. You have to do both this offseason. Yeah, well, if uh, Ryan Poles is content with this current Bears wide receiver group, uh, this organization is doomed. Uh, Justin Fields is not going to you know, be the, the quarterback that I think a lot of people know he can be. So, yeah, there better be moves, more moves made to add to that wide receiver room because, look, they need it. They are scratching and clawing to put guys out there right now in these final two games of the season, and you need dudes at that position moving forward, especially with Fields going into year three. Year two is a very important season for him, but you definitely need it moving forward. Just seeing the past couple quarterbacks the Bears have played, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, what they've done with a number one, yeah, you better you better add some receivers to that room. A million percent. Year two, Justin has passed all the tests that he needs to. Now you can give him the keys to the kingdom, find him that receiver. Before we sign off, I want to encourage you to head over to allcco.com slash diehard. Become a diehard today. There's a lot of great benefits behind it, like getting 20% off all CHGO merch all the time. Uh, you get your own exclusive diehard gear. You get uh, 20% off to all of our events, whether that's a Bears tailgate, uh, a takeover to a Bulls game. I know we're hoping to do takeovers for Bears games next season, mm-hmm. too. Uh, so that's going to be a, a great benefit for you, too. Ways to save just so much money. And, of course, you get to join our amazing Bears community of other like-minded Bears fans, Chicago sports fans. Uh, you get to join our lounge in our Discord so you can talk to us and other Bears fans uh, in a space that's not social media like Twitter. It's a really great experience for everybody, and it's the place to be if you are a Chicago Bears fan and a Chicago sports fan. Nick, any final thoughts on either uh, this game, today's episode, anything we talked about, uh, you trying to delete DraftKings again, d- becoming a diehard <laughs> on our uh, website. I'll leave it to you to kind of give me your final thought overall. You know, just one thing, Will, every time I come to the office here to do the podcast, do work or whatever, I always look down on the ground and that's where the damn Legos, you know, Thanos freaking uh, Infinity Gauntlet's at and I've yet to touch it and I'm just, I'm really looking forward to building that, that, that present you got me, but it is yet to happen at this point. It'll happen. It'll happen. I give that. Daniel, I had one final question for me. What are my keys are not going to happen to lead to the loss? Honestly, all three of my defensive keys can definitely not happen <laughs> lead to a Bears loss, right? They don't contain St. Brown. They don't force takeaways, and they can't get off the field. It, it could definitely easily be a trickle-down effect through all three of my keys. And if so, it would be another tough sledding day for the Bears in which they lose the game. Really fun question. Uh, overall, and I ex- enjoyed all the questions, by the way, that came in here today and for everyone being just so active in the chat here on this Thursday afternoon. But that's going to do it for both Nick and I. Nick has some Legos to build. I have a baby <laughs> to go tend to. Uh, and We will enjoy the rest of our 2022 and we'll see you in 2023 as the Bears take on the Lions for our first postgame show of the year slash second to last postgame show of the year. It's all beard ain't it but i hope you have a good rest of your 22 enjoy your new years and of course bear down chicago Happy new-